Thank you so much for visiting us online today. We believe God wants to speak to you through the following message. If you would like to connect with us or send us your prayer request, visit us at kingsgatehobs.com. Let's then travel through the towns of Ampip, Amphipolis, and Apollonia. I told you about the name Apollonia. I ran into someone yesterday with that name. Crazy. Apollonia. That's an interesting name. Okay. And came to Thessalonica. Can I, Apollonia means destroyer and perdition. So it, it doesn't cost too much to go to the judge and get your name changed. You don't, you don't, want, you don't want that name. It sounds cool, but Lucifer sounds cool, you know, so you don't. Anyway, pretty name, pretty name. And Apollonia came to Thessalonica where there was a Jewish synagogue. What is a synagogue? A Jewish church. Basically, a Jewish synagogue is an Old Testament church. They study Moses and the prophets, just like in your Bible in the Old Testament. They study that stuff in there, all right? Not usually the New Testament, all right? But as was Paul's custom, we talked about this a couple weeks ago before Thanksgiving, he went to the synagogue service. So let me talk to you on the live stream real quick. You are always welcome on the live stream, and I'm not trying to offend you or anyone else in this house. But here's my point. If folks just never go to church and say, I have church at home, Paul and Jesus went to church. Period. Paul and Jesus. Like, there's Jesus, and then Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, and they went to church. Paul went to church. So that's all I got to say. We have the live stream for folks who can't make it or whatever through COVID and all of this, but... When you can, come to church. Praise God. you got to come to church, man. Stay connected. As was Paul's custom, he went to the synagogue service. And for three Sabbaths in a row, what day of the week is Sabbath? No, it's Saturday. I messed with y'all. I'm sorry. You're like, what? what? How? Well, the Jewish folks went to church on Saturday. We come to church on Sunday. We treat it as our Sabbath, right? For lack of a better term. We, we come to church on Sunday because that's the day that Jesus rose again. And according to Scripture, it's called the Lord's Day. I said this a couple weeks ago. It's important you come to church. It doesn't really matter which day of the week. Okay? Really. Some people value some days more than others. Go to church, man, when you can. Stay connected. Wednesdays, Sundays. Some folks still go to church on Saturday. Even, even evangelical modern churches, they have a Saturday night service. Um, I believe it's Cowboy Junction here in town. They have a, do they still have a Monday night service? They did for years. Cool. That's great. Some folks can't make it on Sunday. Come on Monday. That's great. So he went to the synagogue service, and for three Saturdays or Sabbaths in a row, he used the scriptures to reason with the people. you got to base it on scripture, all right? He explained the prophecies and proved that the Messiah must suffer and rise from the dead. He said, this Jesus I'm telling you about is the Messiah. And let me prove it to you as well. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah 53. The prophet Isaiah wrote this chapter 700 years before Jesus was born. Can I get an amen? God knows what he's talking about. He has a plan. He works his plan. 700 years is nothing to him. How many lifetimes is that for us? Well, if we lived to be 100 years of age, which that's even rare anymore. Let's just say you lived to be a ripe old age of, of 90. So that's about eight lifetimes of 90. All right? So that it was a long time 
before Jesus was born. He says, who has believed our message? This is the prophet Isaiah. He's the Messianic prophet. He, he prophesied about the Messiah, the anointed one who was going to come and save his people and save you and me. And that's Jesus. To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot. Anybody have gardens or grow things around here? You know when they're first starting to come out of the soil? That's a little tender green shoot. Can you see a little green looking leaf thing? All right. Like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance. Nothing to attract, to, to attract us to him. He was a carpenter. He was a common dude. I mean, look at it. Study the life of Jesus. And it says there was nothing to even draw us to him. He was such a regular guy. He was despised and rejected. Read the story of Jesus. He fought that every single day during his ministry. The Pharisees fought against him. Man, they gave him trouble and grief. Look at it. It says a man of sorrows acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Wow. Yet it was our weaknesses, our sins he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. Oh, no, he was perfect. But he was pierced. I'm going to go ahead and say it for my rebellion. He was crushed for my sins and your sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. My goodness, all of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. Isn't that powerful? We can, um, let's go ahead with that verse. He was, he was oppressed and treated harshly. Yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. Can you imagine getting executed for something you didn't do and saying, God, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. <laughs> Most of us would be so mad. I'm innocent. You bunch of devils. Y'all are going to die and go be with the devil. We'd, who knows what we'd tell people? Falsely condemning and judging us and having us executed. He said, forgive them, Lord. They don't know what they're doing. Wow, to this day, that shakes people up. <laughs> you know what shakes me up? Is the God who created you said, hmm, there's only one way I can save them. I have to sacrifice myself. That still stirs me up. He says, there's only one way I can save my prized creation. The ones, the men and women the, the male and female, the humans I created to be in communion with me, not because I needed them, but I've always wanted to have communion with them. I want to be with them. I want them to be part of my family. I want them to be my children. The only way to bring them back into my family and make them part of me forever is to shed the blood of heaven. Wow. Let's go back to Acts chapter 17. Don't get me going on the crucifixion and all that. We'll be here for weeks. That stuff just blows me away. So we're at 17, verse, let's go ahead. Okay, he explained the prophecies and proved that the Messiah must suffer and rise from the dead. He said, this Jesus I'm telling you about is the Messiah, the anointed one, the chosen, the prophesied one. Praise God. Some of the Jews who listened were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, along with many God-fearing Greek men and quite a few prominent, what, women. Very interesting. But some of the Jews were jealous. Well, that happened to Jesus, didn't it? So Jesus and Paul went to church. They were faithful. But then a lot of the Jews were jealous of them, 
Even Pontius Pilate, he recognized that they were crucifying Jesus for jealousy and not for a real sin, not for a real wrong or law-breaking. Some of the Jews are jealous, so they gathered some troublemakers from the marketplace to form a mob and start a riot. They attacked the home of Jason, searching for Paul and Silas. Jason was one of the believers there. Searching for Paul and Silas so they could drag them out to the crowd. Not finding them there, they dragged out Jason and some of the other believers instead and took them before the city council. Can you imagine dragging people to the police office? <laughs> that would be, that'd be frowned upon, wouldn't it? They dragged them out to the city council. Paul and Silas have caused trouble all over the world, they shouted. And now they are here disturbing our city too. And Jason has welcomed them into his home. They are all guilty of treason against Caesar, for they profess allegiance to another king. They're actually lying. There was no treason against Caesar. Jesus is above every principality and power. Jesus is the king of all kings, so that's not treasonous. They're, they're professing allegiance to some, somebody else named Jesus. The people of the city, as well as the city council, were thrown into turmoil by these reports. They were in confusion. So the officials forced Jason and the other believers to post bond. Isn't that interesting? That a, lot of, a lot of what we have today is from Roman and English law. So they posted bond or bail, and then they released them. wonder how much they paid. That very night, the believers sent Paul and Silas to Berea. Yeah, you might as well get out of town, man. They're trying to throw you in jail for preaching Jesus. It's time to leave again. I've heard preachers over the years, men and women of God, saying, man, Paul's hotel in every city was the city jail. <laughs> crazy when they arrived there where did they go man these guys must have been crazy they went to the jewish synagogue again where the jews are going to give them a hard time probably let's see and the people of berea were more open-minded hey great than those in thessalonica and they listened eagerly to paul's message they searched the scriptures day after day to see if paul and silas were teaching the truth see your job is to discern and recognize truth. When I give you the word, your job is to go look at it for yourself. Say, man, was, he make, was Pastor Matt making that up? No, that's why I put up verses. That's why you have, we have our team back here put up verses. Why? So you can see for yourself what God has said, the unchanging eternal word. Remember, in the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God. The word has always been. God does nothing without first proclaiming his word. Remember, let there be light. As a result, look, excuse me, this is good news. Many Jews believed, as did many of the prominent Greek women and men, again. So prominent folks believed God again, along with the Jewish folks. This is powerful. Here we go again, though. But when some Jews in Thessalonica heard that Paul was preaching the word of God in Berea, they went there and stirred up trouble. Man, can't they leave stuff alone, right? The believers acted at once, sending Paul on to the coast, while Silas and Timothy remained behind. So Silas was Paul's missionary partner. Timothy was traveling as well, but he was also a spiritual son to Paul. He's his son in the faith. History tells us that he ended up becoming the pastor in Ephesus, a very large and successful church. Those escorting Paul went with him all the way to Athens. That's Greece. And they returned to Berea with instructions for Silas and Timothy to hurry and join him. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was deeply troubled by all the idols he saw everywhere in the city. So 
Athens is interesting. Has anyone ever seen the Acropolis in Athens? You know what that is? It's that piece of rock mountain in the middle of the city, and I believe it has the Parthenon on top, doesn't it? The cool Greek ruins. Well, that was there when Paul was there. So he saw all the idols. You know, the Greeks are famous for giving us mythology. What is mythology? Mythology is the study of gods and goddesses. Um, most likely they got that from somewhere in history when it actually happened. Scripture says in Genesis chapter 6, um, one of the words in, in Hebrew is bene Elohim, which means the sons of God. Well, we don't believe those were men of God. They were fallen angels came down and started to mix with human women. So ladies, everybody thinks y'all are beautiful. Even the fallen angels did. <laughs> so, so they came down and had kids with women. They weren't supposed to do that. Scripture says they were supposed to stay in heaven and be angels. Well, they became fallen angels in their um, treachery and their blasphemy of God. And so we believe, you study history, we believe that mythology, both Greek and Roman and some of the other mythology on the planet, is because of the fallen angels. Because when they fell from God's grace and they came down to earth and started to mix with humans, um, they, they called themselves gods and they had people worship them. So you can study histories and there's some crazy stuff out there. Like even in Egypt, you can study some of their history and they claim one of their kings was like eight or nine feet tall. So it sounds like a giant. It could have been a fallen angel or a progeny, a descendant of a fallen angel. Of course, I mean, if someone was that much taller than everybody that, you know, the ancient people was like, you're a god, you know. So you're, wow. Well, they had superpower, they were super strong, or they lived really long, or whatever. Um, they looked different. So you can see where mythology came from. Um, very, very interesting. Uh, mythology also talks about how the gods came down to Mount Olympus. Um, many believe that that was actually Mount Hermon. Look in history, H-E-R-M-O-N that the, uh, it was, I believe it was Enoch that talked about it. Um, Enoch is quoted in Scripture by the Apostle Peter and also quoted by Jude. Much of their epistles, the Apostle Peter's epistles, or, or several verses in their epistles, especially in Jude, which is one chapter, refers to Enoch's writings. Enoch is not one of the books in our Bible. I don't know exactly why. I don't know if it got corrupted later. I don't know if the church founding fathers and mothers said, uh, there's too much crazy talk in there. People are going to focus on the wrong things. I don't know. But the apostle Peter, who hung out with Jesus, quoted Enoch. And Enoch said that the gods, or the fallen angels, came down to Mount Hermon and then mixed with mankind. And they made a pact. I don't remember how many of them there were. He, he, claimed, and he, he named them and everything. So interesting stuff. I don't necessarily recommend you read the book of Enoch. There's just, I mean, I, I, you have everything you need in this Bible right here, but um, I, don't, I don't recommend you looking. And some say, well, there's the, have you heard of the book of Thomas and the book of Judas? Well, why do I need those? Why do I need the book of Judas? Right, okay, we're on the same page. So, okay. So that's like a book that the devil wrote. Say, oh, I'm going to read I got to understand. No, you understand enough with Scripture, all right? I, I always loved it. <clears throat> My dad would say, how is it people are looking for lost books? They don't even know the found books. <laughs> I've had relatives like that. I said, man, but, but did you hear about the lost books? I'm like, uh, give me Proverbs 13.4. Oh, I don't really know that. Well, then you don't need the lost books. This is found, and you don't know all of it yet. So get into it, right? That was just my background on mythology. He was troubled. There's idols. Idols usually just go back to demons if you study Old Testament scripture.
Old Testament scripture talks about all kinds of crazy and creepy stuff. Goat demons and goat gods. That, that's never good. Why would you worship a goat, right? But the people of Israel came out of Egypt and they made a calf and said, this is the God that delivered you from Egypt. I mean, why would they have even done that? So humans left to themselves don't improve. They get worse. They always need God. They need the true divine to help them. We all know that, right? Apart from God, Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from God, we're very carnal. We do crazy stuff. People out in the forest, they'll worship a tree, right? Uh, You know, and then they'll smoke the bark off the tree. So that's not good. It's not good. So Paul was troubled because he knew the idols pointed to demons and worship of demons instead of God. He saw them all over the city of Athens. Makes sense historically. We know that to be true. He went to the synagogue. There was a synagogue in Athens because the Jews had been dispersed all over the known world. And he went to reason with the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles. And he spoke daily in the public square to all who happened to what? Be there. He also had a debate with some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers. Let's talk about Epicurean and Stoic. Does anybody know what those words mean at all? Epicurean is interesting because they were very in touch with their senses. Epicureans basically believed if it feels good, do it. If it's free, take three. Even if it's immoral, we don't care. That's what Epicureans did. Stoics would deny themselves and say, nothing affects me, I'm above my emotions. Which it's interesting because they're both imbalanced. So there were Epicureans said, we're we're just going to live, man. Eat and drink. Scripture says this. Eat and drink for tomorrow we die. Live it up. Who cares? Who cares if there's a heaven or a hell? Who cares about anything? Stoics, they had a very severe belief system that said, I afflict myself so that I discipline my body so that I'm not into a bunch of weird stuff. But they do it without God. Good thinking, but you got to be in touch with your emotions. God wants you to have fun and stuff. But... At the same time, you've got to be balanced. And we hear the word stoic now, and it's someone void of emotion. Stoicism. Okay, that's where it came from. They are very severe, very disciplined. When he told them about Jesus and his resurrection, they said, what's this babbler trying to say with these strange ideas he's picked up? Babbling means running off at the mouth and not making sense. But they had never heard of it, so they called him that. Kind of insulting. What's he talking about with these strange ideas he's picked up? Others said, he seems to be preaching about some foreign gods. Then they took him to the high council of the city. Come and tell us about this new teaching, they said. Isn't that interesting? Huh. You are saying some rather strange things, and we want to know what it's all about. They'd never heard some of this stuff. It should be explained, right, that the Athenians as well as the foreigners in Athens seem to spend all their time discussing the latest ideas. And they didn't even have Facebook yet. Or Meta. Did they change their name? Facebook is going to go to Meta, M-E-T-A. It's merging? Who's Meta? Because the Metaverse means virtual reality type junk, right? They're rebranding. Oh, really? Dang, we may not recognize them. (laughs) If I put a wig on and came to preach, did y'all think it was a guest speaker? That's free. Dang, where's Pastor Matt? Who's the guy with the great hair, you know? Anyway, so, (laughs) oh, man, Facebook, God, deal with them. But anyway, so they spent all their time discussing the latest ideas. That's what they did. So Paul, standing before the council, can you imagine Paul? Wow. 
he addressed them as follows. This guy knew the word. He knew the Old Testament. Man, he knew how to reason with people. He said, men of Athens, I notice that you are very religious in every way. Religious only means observing your religion. Doesn't mean you're saved. Doesn't mean you're going to heaven. Doesn't mean you're necessarily a Christian. Look, these guys are religious. It means they believed in some kind of divine, some kind of higher power. That's it. When people go, I see that y'all are very religious. They've told me that before. I know you're a very religious person. I'm like, well, that's kind of frowned upon in our religion to be called religious. But okay, I know what you mean. I notice that you're very religious in every way. For as I was walking along, I saw all your many shrines. Look at the wisdom that God had given Paul. And one of your altars had this inscription on it, to an unknown God, but with a capital G. This God, whom you worship without knowing, is the one I'm telling you about. Wow. He is the God who made the world and everything in it. Since he is Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples. And human hands can't serve his needs, for he has no needs. Right? God didn't need you. He wanted you. That's powerful. To be loved by God, the truly perfect divine, the one and only. Ain't but the one. He himself gives life and breath to everything, and he satisfies every need. From one man, he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. And folks, folks, you know, men will tell their wives, see, everybody came from man. And then wives will tell their husbands, uh-huh, but your mama gave birth to you. So we can go back and forth on that all day. You need men and women. From one man, he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. God's big on boundaries. Remember that. That'll, that'll preach. We've talked about that before. Probably do another series on boundaries someday. He determined their boundaries. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. Huh. I love this. For in him we live and move. One translation says breathe. This says, for in him we live and move and exist. I've always loved that. And he says, look at this. And some of your own poets have said, he's quoting a Greek poet, a well-known Greek poet. I'd tell you, but I forgot, and then I'd be lying up here, all right? Be as weird as me wearing a wig. And some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Huh. And since this is true, we shouldn't think of God as an idol designed by craftsmen from gold or silver or stone. Powerful words. God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in earlier times, but now he commands everyone everywhere to repent of their sins and turn to him. Has that message changed? He says, turn away from your sins, repent, turn to me. If you turn away from your sins, see, that's a 180, and you turn toward God. Does that make sense? Turn away from your sin, turn toward God. When you turn away from God, it's back to the sin. So you turn away from sin and turn to God. I need to start to close this up. We are at verse 30. Um, does anyone have any questions tonight? For those of you who do have questions, you're going to catch me out in the lobby and ask me. You will not ask them in front of everybody. I know that. But if you have a question, you can ask. I'm not embarrassed. I'm not embarrassed tonight. All right. Let's bow our heads and pray real quick. Father God, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your people in the house. I thank you because we live and move and breathe. Or the New Living Translation says, in you we live and move and exist and yes, God, because of Jesus, we are your offspring. We're your children. We are your sons and daughters, and you see us as yours forever, your prized, treasured, beloved, favorite possession in the universe, your people.
I thank you for tonight. I thank you for your hand of grace and mercy. I thank you for your promises. I want everyone in this house to repeat this after me, this prayer. And maybe, maybe you've prayed it before, maybe you haven't. This is going to cover everyone who has prayed it or not, needs to make sure of their salvation. It's for those listening to this recording or watching this video. Say, Heavenly Father, please forgive me for my sin. Cleanse me completely. Take away my sin by the blood of Jesus, the perfect Lamb. Say, I confess Jesus is my Lord, my King, my Savior. And I believe He died and rose again. Thank you for saving me, Lord. I believe your word in Jesus' name. Father, I speak your blessing. I speak hope and life and enjoyment and excitement and understanding of your word. God, draw your people to your word like never before, like never, ever, ever before as we close out this year. You're calling us to yourself, God. You've been so patient with us, and you've never given up on us once again. But, Lord, we're going to come to you when you call, because now is our time. Say, man, it's not my time. It's your moment. Whatever it is, God is calling to you. And we reach out to you, Father, and we thank you for your absolute amazing mercy, because your mercies are new every day. And we praise you because your faithful, loving kindness. We thank you for tonight. Thank you that your word's falling on good ground. Let it be practical and useful in our mouths, in our minds, in our lives. In Jesus' name.